Hi, and welcome back to the Endeavor U podcast. I'm your host, Jason Breitkopf. With me today is Marvin Vilma. And we're going to be talking about the best fit college for your high school student. Before we begin that, though, hi, Marvin. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Great. Uh, before we talk about the topic at hand, please let us know a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, so my name is Marvin. I grew up in New York City, actually. And um, going through the kind of high school, college admission process in New York City was a little different for me than I think a lot of students that I work with now, um, partially because I went to an awesome independent school and had access to really great resources, including a college counselor who walked me through the entire process and gave me um, great resources. But my experience there was a little different because I was also a first-gen student. I was the first um, person in my family to go to college with the exception of my older sister. And so it was a weird balance between navigating this new process on my own, but also um, having access to a college counselor and tons of resources at my school. And um, following that experience, I went to Colgate University where I studied sociology and French literature, uh, which was great, Uh, never imagined all the work that I could be doing with a sociology degree, but I ended up in the classroom working at uh, Noble and Greeno School as a faculty member, but also I coached and did programming on diversity initiatives. Uh, following that, I went into college admissions at Babson College, which is nearby, and got to travel all around the country, meet really awesome students, uh, which kind of brought me to where I am now, which is working with Chaitin and being able to counsel students on how to think about the college admission process and really think about, you know, what are my long-term goals and how do I get there as well. Um, I've had a couple of other roles in between uh, fundraising, which is what I do now at MIT, but also I used to run a high school program at MIT focusing on entrepreneurship. Uh, But all in all, I would say that my goal in life is always to work with students and help them achieve what they're interested in, passionate about, um, and kind of just support them in any way that I can. Great. Thank you so much. A couple of things that you mentioned um, brought up some questions that I want to clarify with some of our listeners or viewers at home. So the first thing is you said that you went to an independent school when you were growing up in New York. Uh, Could you please let folks know what an independent school is? Sure. So an independent school is basically a non-public school, but um, differs a little bit from parochial schools where there's no religious affiliation as well. So it's a school where you pay tuition to attend, um, and typically um, they're college preparatory schools, so they're very rigorous academically, and you have to be admitted to the school as well. So I went through an admission process in middle school to get into high school, and then an admission process again to get into college. So that's what most families who are public school families might call a private school. Exactly. All right, great. So one of the things that you talked about was having access to college admissions officers in a way that you might not have had otherwise. Um, What brought you to decide Colgate University, that's the place for me? So it's an interesting story because Colgate wasn't really on my radar for a while when I first started the process. But I visited the school with a program. Um, So I spent a summer uh, program kind of visiting different colleges in upstate New York. I visited Syracuse University, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, and Colgate was on that list. And I visited campus and was like, oh, this seems like an interesting place, but didn't really see myself there at that point. But the more that I engaged with Colgate, 
via college um, admission sessions at my school, going to college fairs and actually interacting with admission counselors there, interacting with students via email who worked for the office and volunteered for the office. The more I was able to really see myself as a student at Colgate, which really helped me to figure out that, wow, I can potentially be here and have a really successful experience here as well. So one of the things you were just talking about was experience, Mm -hmm. as opposed to just pure academics. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you look at the schools that you were just talking about, Rensselaer, Syracuse, and Colgate, it's not like you could go wrong educationally at any one of those institutions. What was the experience that you were looking for or thought you were looking for at the beginning of that process? At the beginning of the process, I don't know that I knew what I was looking for. Um, I had never thought about a priority list, which is something I talk about now where you know, I prioritize academics over athletics, over extracurriculars. Um, for me, I was just going into the process thinking I wanted to go to college. I wanted to sub- study something that was interesting to me, uh, but that didn't give me enough direction to figure out what might be a good fit. But actually, the more colleges that I visited and the more things I saw that I didn't like helped me to figure out what I did like and really helped me to think about what are the questions that I should be asking admission counselors and university representatives to really get at what a fit might be for me um, with their schools. Now you mentioned so far that you were looking at schools in upstate New York mm-hmm. and you went and visited them and you're from New York City originally, if you yes. know, as you mentioned. Were you looking for schools outside of New York, New York State? I was, and that was, I think, the most challenging part of my process because out-of-state schools are really tough to visit. Uh, If they're in upstate New York, you know, my parents could drive me or it was a quick weekend trip. Um, I applied to some schools in the mid-Atlantic area, uh, one school in Minnesota, um, and those are tough because you have to really go out there and engage with the universities in a different way. But I'd say, you know, as long as a student does their research, which I ended up doing, following schools on Twitter, following them on Instagram, learning everything that I can learn about them via social media or on the internet. It really helped me to figure out whether a school might be a good fit, even Mm. if I couldn't visit that school myself. I suspect that I'm a tad bit older than you, (laughs) as I was not able to do any college research on Twitter. The only Twitter that existed when I was applying were the Twitter of the birds outside my window (laughs) as I opened up the giant Barron's book. Uh, But that was back in the day. Um, So in juxtaposition, I mean, some of the things you've mentioned are similar to the process that I went through Mm -hmm. when I was in high school. Uh, I went to a large public high school in a somewhat urban area. Mm -hmm. Um, The student body at my school is very large. Um, Still to this day, about 5,000 students at that high school, so it's one of the largest in the country actually, and it's in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And my college search process was very much old school, Mm -hmm. pencil and paper, the Mm -hmm. Barron's Guide, (laughs) uh, depending on schools reaching out to me via... uh, Was there email back then? Uh, (laughs) No, actually. I mean, email did exist. Email was... I've read. Uh that the first email system was set up in the late 60s uh-huh. at three universities on the West Coast. Mm. So that's a little bit before my time. Uh-huh. But my first email account was when I went for my sophomore year of college. Mm-hmm. We were all given email accounts. Right. Right. And that was the first one. And it was um, quite a new experience. But uh, no, this was all 
via paper. Um, after the PSAT or my first SAT, I received advertisements mm-hmm. in the mail, right. uh, brochures, anything from a postcard up through a full color multi-page brochure yeah. from colleges and learned about schools further away. Then that led to those sort of college visits, uh, a, a road trip with my parents um, to visit schools in the South, mm-hmm. which was an eye-opening experience for, the, for this boy from New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, driving through Virginia and the Carolinas was like driving into a foreign country for right, me. Right. It was just such a radically different experience. Um, and again, I've told this to a lot of my students, and I don't think I've mentioned on the pod before, but I didn't feel comfortable again until we rolled into Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, oh, a city. Oh, <laughs> people. Oh, no gun racks. Oh, so much more comfortable. So that was like a big yeah. difference for me. So visiting Emory and schools in Atlanta um, was... That was kind of the goal. We hit schools along the way down there. And that was a big experience for me, that drive. But um, one of the things that I really want to talk about with you, both in terms of your own experience and your recommendations for students, is something that's been on my mind for years is that when I was looking at schools, I went to an enormous public high school. Mm -hmm. So I ended up looking for colleges that were small. I was really interested in smaller schools. I went, I ended up attending Brandeis University, as I've mentioned on the podcast a couple times. And even to this day, including graduate students, the entire population of this university is approximately 4,000 students, Mm -hmm. which was smaller than my high school. Um, And when I went on to graduate school, both times I went to get master's degrees, both schools were very small schools. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, 1,500 to 2,000 students, very small institutions. And I think that was very appealing to me after attending a high school where, when I look back at my yearbook, there are literally hundreds of students I never met who graduated with me. Mm So that was just not an experience I wanted to repeat. I didn't want to go to, you know, the the Ohio State University, not that it's not a great school, but a school of 30,000 right. students was just enormous. overwhelming to me. Um, so that sort of thing. And also, like, thinking about where I wanted to go. Like, I actually did this as a joke one time. I took a map in the United States and I took pins. <laughs> and I pinned the location of every school I attended. And if you took a string... And, you, and then you measured the distance. It was each of the schools I applied to in Boston, upstate New York, Pittsburgh, and the D.C. area were about a six-hour drive from yeah, home. they're equidistant. Yeah, they were all about yeah, the same. Yeah. There were no schools closer, but no schools further away. And I didn't realize I was doing that, but apparently it was very important to me. Right. So those are the things that, that always kind of I think about. Um, so I want to talk with you a little bit about that. In, in, search, in doing the college search process and the college application process for yourself, what sort of factors about location, size, environment, culture were important to you in your process? Mm-hmm. The first thing that I thought about as I began to kind of be more intentional about my process was kind of size and fit academically. Um, I very opposite from you, went to a very small independent school, as I mentioned before. I graduated with 116 or 117 other students. And so I had an understanding of how I learned. I learned well in environments where I had a connection with faculty members, where I could collaborate with my peers on projects, where I got the attention that I needed, especially if I were struggling in a subject. And 
when I visited a larger university and sat in a lecture hall, I was like, whoa, this is not going to work for me. Um, so yeah. that was a first thing that kind of popped up in my process. Location, I don't know that it was that big of a deal for me, um, actually, because you know, I mentioned that I applied to a school in Minnesota. Um, I just wanted to go out of New York City and explore something new. And I think coming from a city that was probably pretty high on my priority list, um, I wanted to get out of New York City and just explore nature and be able to go hiking on the weekends and take part in outdoor education activities, um, things that I couldn't do if I went to a city school. Mm. Um, and I think a third big thing for me, and this is something that doesn't always come up for most students because um, I think my situation was a little different, but athletics were important to me as well. Mm. Um, I ran track in high school and was considering the recruitment process. And so in the back of my mind, I was always thinking, what are schools that have really great D3 programs or D2 programs that I would be able to participate in? And that really helped narrow down my list as well. I hate to interrupt, but before we move on, I just want, uh, would you mind clarifying what D2 and D3 mean for any listeners or viewers at home who don't know what that means? Sure. So um, Division Two and Division Three sports um, are typically less competitive than Division One, which um, is for very highly ranked sports or athletic programs, um, and typically they start recruiting for those Division One programs very early on. So when people think about, you know, football or basketball or hockey or baseball and and the and the big name teams that are winning national championships, those are Division One teams. Those are Division One teams, definitely. Yeah. So Division Three would be smaller schools. Just so, and again, I'm familiar with this. I didn't ask out of a lack of understanding. I went to a Division Three school. Yeah, yeah. Brandeis uh, is not known for its athletics. <laughs> um, there's an old joke on campus. Uh, homecoming, the homecoming game at Brandeis is a soccer game because mm-hmm. we don't have a football team. Right, right. We had a football team in the 1950s, which was awful. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's you know really academic school. Uh, and then in 1963, the, the school. Um, the football team had its own one and only winning season, mm. and then they canceled the program. Wow! Yeah, they thought, hey, we couldn't do any better, so we yeah. might as well end on a high, high note. note. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's the campus joke. And then, of course, when I went to graduate school, I went to a, an art school for my first graduate degree, um, and there were no athletics because it was all you know bachelor of fine arts and master of fine arts mm-hmm. programs. So we would have the, the school did sell T-shirts that um, it was the California Institute of the Arts, which was co-founded by Walt Disney. So uh, there were t-shirts that said, you know, support the Mickeys. And there would be, you know, Mickey Mouse. And of course, there's no team. So it's, it's an inside joke for them. Yeah. So athletics were, uh, as we can clearly see, not a huge factor in my decision-making process. But I apologize for interrupting. Was there anything you wanted to continue with on that track? In terms of a, finding a good fit in my process, um, I think... A final thing, um, and there might be a list of more, you know, mm-hmm. uh, some of it escapes me, but a final thing that um, I th- ended up actually being really important to me was the extracurricular involvement on campus. And that really helped me to find a good fit because I wanted to be at a school where I can get involved. And academics were important to me, but I think being a part of a community was equally important, and if not more. Um, and so I was able to sit in on club meetings and look at different club lists and see what was available on campus and how these different extracurricular activities were being sponsored, how were they supported by the institution. Um, and so when I went to Colgate, for example, I met with the Black Student Union and they had lots of activities going on and events. And I said, wow, like I can be a part of this community too. That's actually interesting because that's very similar for me. Uh, one of the things that drew me to Brandeis was when I um, 
I didn't even get a chance to visit Brandeis, by the way, uh, before I went, even though I visited other schools in the Boston area. It just didn't work out. But one of the big things when the communication, when they reached out to me, whether it was brochures or whatnot, was their emphasis on community involvement, mm -hmm. uh, the clubs and activities, and having, um, and for me, as opposed to athletics, it was theater, mm -hmm. uh, and having uh, three or four at any given time uh, student-run theater programs, and in addition to the uh, officially supported department, mm -hmm. and having a, a separate the student-run theater space right. on campus, right. which Brandeis does, was incredibly important to me, and that was a major factor as well. Um, so that emphasis on um, learning and growing and participating outside of class mm -hmm. was a big factor for me. Mm -hmm. And one other thing that occurred to me was, uh, one of the things I loved best about my experience at Brandeis was that it wasn't in the city, but it was next to the city. Right, right. It's in a small city, uh, and, I, and again, it is a city, but it's a small city called Waltham, which is about 14 miles due west of Boston. But right off campus, like literally, you step off campus and there it is, is a commuter rail station. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who are not from uh, the New England area, the commuter rail is, um, you know, the, the train system that's not the city train system. It's the system for commuters from the suburbs and beyond into the city. And it's literally called the commuter rail here in New England. Um, so that having that access to the city but not having to be in the city right. was a factor for me. And if I look at the schools to which I applied and where I was serious, it was schools in, in and around cities like Washington or Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Boston. Even though I did apply to and was interested in schools in upstate New York, mm -hmm. I specifically looked at Cornell and Hamilton right. College. Um, and technically Hamilton was my top choice. Mm -hmm. um, it was that combination of factors, mm -hmm. the community experience, and the clubs and the access to the city and all the things that came with a big city via the commuter rail that really tipped the scales for me right. for that. Another thing that you mentioned that was really interesting was the Black Student Union and having a strong community mm -hmm. uh, involved. That was actually very similar for me uh, as a Jewish person. Um, I mean, not I'm sure some people are aware of this, but not everybody knows that Brandeis is a, one of the universities in the country that, while not a religious school, does have a majority of students who are Jewish. Right. And having access to that community, having a, um, a cafeteria on campus that's kosher right. yeah. was a huge factor for me, even though I'm not necessarily the most observant or religious person, having access to that community and those resources uh, really meant a lot to me. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about community and things like that. When, and let's take this now in terms of students who you or I might be advising. Okay. Um, what are some factors that you feel are really important for students when they're starting their own college search process? That's a good question. When they're first starting their process. Yeah, so maybe they're sophomores, maybe they're juniors, maybe they're even reaching towards their senior year, mm -hmm. that summer before, if they haven't had that support to get them to get focus on that a little earlier, but you know, when they're starting that process, what are some pieces of advice or some things that you might suggest they look out for? Mm -hmm. This is important to me, and so I don't want to assume that it's important to all students, but pay attention to the demographic makeup of a school. And again, you know, it's not as important for everyone, but it will impact the way that you interact with your peers and what happens in the classroom as well. Um, one thing that was important to me was to engage with and have conversations with people who are from different backgrounds, from different identities, and having that intellectual stimulation was 
really impactful for my college career. And it's something that folks don't think about early on. But when you're in a classroom with people who are from the same neighborhood as you, think the same way that you do, have had very similar life experiences as you, you know, what are you going to take away from that that's meaningful, that's really enriching and pushes you to think differently and be innovative and creative? Um, so that's one thing that I would really encourage that you look at. What is the demographic make, uh, makeup of the school? Um, a second thing that I would look at, and this is more of a logistical tip, um, but it's helpful just to put on a backpack, sit in the cafeteria or sit in the college library and just observe what's going on around you. You know, pretend to be a student at that university for a day and imagine, you know, or, or can you even imagine yourself being in that position? And I think what's, what's tricky about the admissions process is that the admissions offices usually, um, they create these experiences for you where you go to a visit day and you get to see all these great things. Um, that might not feel authentic and mm-hmm. you might not learn as much, but if you really put yourself in the shoes of a current student, um, you'll start to see and notice things, nuances about that school that will really set them apart from other schools as well. Um, and I just want to yeah. say one thing. I just want to jump in real quick. That if you attend a, a, a tour or visit a school and you decide that that school isn't right for you, that doesn't mean that's a bad school. Exactly. It yeah. doesn't mean that's a bad place. It's just that... You know, culturally, it might not be the right place for you. As I have mentioned more than once, I'm Jewish, and I know for a fact that Boston College, for example, is an amazing college. Mm -hmm. If a student attends Boston College and that's the right fit for them, they're going to have an amazing experience. And it is a Catholic Jesuit university, and I know that that would not have been the right environment for me. Mm -hmm. I know that I would not have felt 100% completely comfortable there. Mm -hmm. And that might have impacted negatively my experiences there. Mm And so that doesn't mean that BC is a bad place. It's an amazing school. And I have walked students through the process of applying to BC. I've had students of mine go to BC and had amazing experiences. But recognizing that just because a place is good, a good school, doesn't mean it's going to be right for you. And just because a place isn't right for you doesn't mean it's a bad place. Exactly. Yeah, I think you're exactly right in that the more you start to cross schools off your list, the more you're heading in the right direction to figuring out what exactly it is that you want. So at this point, do you have any other uh, tips or uh, suggestions you have for students on a regular basis who are uh, going through this college process and have come to you with a list of 20 schools, and they're all you know, good schools educationally, but they're just not sure about how to whittle that list down? Mm-hmm. So my first tip that I would give to a student like that is do not fall in love with a school until you get in. And I think that's something that I did in my experience that I regret. Mm-hmm. Um, I fell in love with a school and I thought, you know, I thought I had a shoe in. And I was so confident that I was going to get in. And, you know, I didn't get in, um, which was a really heartbreaking experience at the time. But I ended up at Colgate, which wasn't necessarily my first choice, for mm-hmm. lack of a better phrase. But it was an awesome experience. And some of my lifelong friends um, I made at Colgate. And I had such an enriching academic experience as well. So don't fall in love until you get that acceptance letter. I'm Um, the same way, actually. As I mentioned just now, Hamilton College was my first choice. mm -hmm. And of all the schools I applied to, I got waitlisted by Hamilton. Mm -hmm. And I got into Brandeis, and they made a good financial aid offer, and the rest was history. Right, right. And I loved my experience there. And as I've mentioned on this podcast before, 
the day of graduation, I was literally in tears because mm-hmm. I did not want to leave. Yeah. I was I don't want to go, and I was just weeping because I loved it so much. Yeah, there. yeah. And you never know until you really know put yourself out there and try something new but also Mm -hmm. just pick a group of schools that you can see yourself at Um, it's not just that one school that you can see yourself at another tip that I have for kind of whittling down a list and figuring out what you want is having conversations with people who are important in your life about what their priorities are what your priorities are the reality is you know if your parents or your guardians are paying for your college tuition they do have some amount of say in the conversation, although I always caution parents becoming over-involved in the process and you know pushing their students to attend one school versus another school. Mm-hmm. But talk to people who are important to you, who you trust and can really see guiding you in a positive way and ask for their feedback on that list. Um, and a third tip, because three is a great number, uh, <laughs> would be to... Um, And this is something that I enjoy doing. Not everyone processes information the same way. But putting things up on a whiteboard or on a large board and just having visually something up there to see and kind of mark off. So even if it's, you know, a one-pager of each school where you have the basic information or if it's just a picture of each school, something to help you kind of visually see these are my different options these are the different questions that i have about all these different schools um and as you know pros and cons come up you can kind of cross things off or take that picture off your white wall your whiteboard wall or whatever it is um, and then you can see the progress that you're making visually see like wow i'm really whittling down my list i'm making progress i'm heading in the right direction well, I think this has been really helpful, and this is a good starting point for families and students who are beginning the college process, and even those who are in the middle of it. Uh, before we uh, end up today, is there anything else that you wanted to share with uh, the families, students, teachers at home um, about finding that best fit for yourself for in the college process? Mm-hmm. I think one last thing that I'll share about my experience is that um, while my college counseling experience was a little different uh, coming from a, a school that had resources, what was really helpful for me was having someone at my school or someone in my life that I can really just reflect on things with. Um, so I, you know, once I went to a college visit, I came back to my college counselor and I said, here are some things that I'm thinking about. She would ask me questions, really prompt me to um, ask myself deeper questions about the experience that really led me towards picking a school list that made sense for me. Um, Your college counselor isn't the person who's gonna get you into a school. And I'm really glad that she made that distinction for me. She very explicitly said at the beginning of our time together that my role is to help you think about this process, is to help you reflect and um, kind of think about what you want. It's not about getting into that number one school. It's about using this as a reflection activity. And that really helped me to alleviate some of that pressure that I was putting on myself, but also be more thoughtful about decisions that I was making. Well, that's very helpful. Marvin, thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Uh, as always, I am your host, Jason Bradkoff, and with, with, with me today was Marvin Vilma, a college counselor uh, and someone who's had a lot of experience in the education field, talking about uh, some tips on how to perhaps identify that best fit college for yourself. 
Uh, thank you for listening to the podcast. As always, uh, please feel free to uh, respond to us uh, on the uh, different platforms where we post these, whether it's iTunes or um, Spotify or SoundCloud. You can leave a comment or a rating, and we'd always love to get you to subscribe. So that way we um, can get those out to you right away. And also, the more you comment, the more you subscribe, the more likely it is others will find us. Thank you so much, and as always, let's keep learning.